Afternoon kids, it's time for episode 45 of Near Perfect Pitch. Thanks so much for joining me. I'm eternally grateful for you giving me uh, three hours of your very valuable time, which I indeed hope you can share with others. As I say on a regular basis, those that share similar immaculate taste in music. Thanks so much. I'll give you an idea of what you can hear in the next three hours. First and foremost, delighted to be talking to uh, Sean Dixon. And I'm actually going to be talking to him live. So I'm actually recording this programme, doing the interview with Sean, plopping it in with a a nifty little edit and then uh, tying it all together and uploading it tomorrow. It's actually Father's Day. I'm I'm recording this uh, on Father's Day. It's about one o'clock. It's about 40 degrees outside. And it's absolutely uh, it's scorching, and it's no uh, no cooler in the studio. I've got all the lights out, and I'm sitting here in a pair of shorts and a t-shirt, looking rather ridiculous, um, feeling a little bit uh, helpless too because uh, it's awfully dark in here. So I could well be playing a whole load of wrong uh, wrong songs. Anyway, um, what you can expect to hear, aside from a wonderful interview with Sean Dixon, ex frontman of the Soup Dragons, uh, ex-frontman of uh, the High Fidelity, and now uh, a recording artist in his own right uh, as a solo artist as Hi-Fi Sean, also a renowned uh, producer and DJ. We'll be talking to Sean very, very soon. Uh, new releases, we've got a few belters for you. We've got the, the new Michael Head and the Red, Red Elastic Band. Uh, Josephine has just been released as of uh, Friday. Beautiful, beautiful track, as are all of Michael Head's penned tunes. So you can hear that uh, uh, in the next little while. Uh, the, the the new Ride album uh, was released on June the 16th, Weather Diaries. So we'll hear all I want from from that. Um, also, a uh, new album by Pix on Heavenly Records. We'll be hearing an album track off uh, the new LP, Age of Anxiety. And I think new release-wise, that is the sum total. Although, we've got the usual features. We've got uh, our weekly peel. We've got our obligatory fall art track, our essential wax this week is Ash. We've got a nifty little hat trick, which is uh, Swedish in its very, very nature. And uh, what else we've got? We've got Tinsweb time, of course. So lots and lots to look forward to. We'll kick things off with uh, some seahorses, shall we?
from 1991's Whirlpool, their debut record and uh, their third single. Uh, that is Chapter House on uh, Dedicated Records with Falling Down. And um, that's for Chris, actually. That's a, that's a request. And if you do want to, to hear something on the programme, uh, shoot me a line at nearperfectpitch at gmail.com. This will uh, provide me an opportunity now to, to give you all the ways and means by which to get in touch. Nearperfectpitch.com is uh, the one and only place whereby uh, you can get all the links to the social media and uh, all the available uh, channels by which I stream the programme. So uh, iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, Podbean, or even through uh, CKCUFM here in Ottawa, uh, the radio station. Uh, you can even listen uh, through that site as well. So do get involved and do uh, drop me a line every now and again if you want to hear something or have suggestions uh, or otherwise. And prior to hearing that uh, wicked track by uh, by Chapter House, we heard the Seahorses and what I wouldn't have given to have been at Wembley yesterday uh, for the Stone Roses gig, uh, by all accounts, Bedlam lunacy and an awful awful lot of fun and uh, grown men showing up as if they were uh, 18 years old again wonderful stuff uh, seahorses love is the law from uh, their debut do it yourself uh, from 1997 which was their first single and uh, i actually uh, came across uh, their unreleased second album i didn't realize i had it i was trawling through some digital tracks over the over the course of the last few days and uh, came across uh, Minus Blue and Motorcade. That was the 1999 follow-up to Do It Yourself that never actually did see an official release. Granted, it's a, it's an MP3, uh, crappy, uh, crappy uh, uh, versions of, of, of the songs, but uh, nevertheless, uh, I gave it a listen and I, I really do wish they could have, uh, could have took them all the way through to uh, post-production and actually released the album proper. Maybe. Maybe one day. Who knows? Um, up next, we're going to hear, uh, in keeping with the shoegazy beginning to the programme, we're going to continue in that theme and hear uh, some more. I'm not even going to introduce it, so I'll tell you what it is afterwards. And coming up, I'll give you an idea of stuff that is going to be uh, broadcast through this wonderful podcast in the next three hours or so uh, that aren't new releases. You'll be able to hear I would hope uh, some more material from Denim. We're going to hear uh, the fall, of course, with the obligatory fall. Ah, uh, the triple, uh, the the triple shot of Swedish talent that will constitute this week's hat trick uh, comes from uh, Tinselhart, the radio department, and uh, Evan Johansson, aka Magnet. Uh, we can hear some uh, what else? Oh yeah, some uh, some Chicone Youth, aka Sonic Youth. Uh, all this wonderful stuff forthcoming uh, by Hi-Fi Sean at the end of the programme where, where the interview is going to be uh, located. So you've got all that to look forward to. I've uh, got some Bodines. We have got uh, our cover version of the week, which is a nifty little uh, version of an REO Speedwagon song. And some Beta Band as well. And, and other stuff. And in keeping with what I did last week, I brought more tunes than I need. So this could effectively change during the course of the next two and a half hours or so. So, up next, we've got...
how does it feel to look like candy? That Swerve Driver. And uh, that's a, a quadruple shot, I believe, of uh, shoegazy loveliness. Um, and that's uh, a, a song that's pulled off their third LP on Creation Records from 1995, uh, entitled uh, Ejector Seat Reservation. And you've got to know your San Jose's from your Santa Fe's and get your songs in order. Those that know, know what I'm talking about. Before that, we heard All I Want from this stupendous new LP by Ride, their fifth LP, 21 years plus after the release of 1996's Tarantula. We have this wonderful piece of work, Weather Diaries, and I'll be playing a ton of material from it in coming weeks. An absolutely magnificent record, and uh, get your hands on it pronto. It was released uh, on the 16th, just, uh, just a few days ago. And as a reminder, Chapter House and The Seahorses were the two songs that kicked off the programme. Reminder to you all, stay tuned, as you always should. Uh, it's a mantra of mine, no skipping, no fast-forwarding. Uh, stay tuned to the very end, whereby you'll hear, uh, and I'm predicting this in my Kreskin-like capacity, uh, you're going to be witness to a wonderful interview uh, with Sean Dixon, which I'm yet to perform, but I shall do in the, in the coming hour and a half, two hours or so. Up next, it's time to revisit some Billy Bragg. <laughs>
carnivores, heaven help me. Goodbye and good luck to all the promises you've broken. Goodbye and good luck to all the rubbish that you've spoken. Your life is lost in dignity, its beauty and its passion.
I'll tell you what, feels like I'm being punished. It's so hot in here. I've had to go and uh, water myself, as they say. Um, yeah, I'm fading. It's bloody boiling in here. That was a Pure Essence, a single from 1996, uh, from their debut self-titled record on, uh, on Island Records, Casting Lazy Shadows. They did... Uh, release a handful of records that uh, did chart but in the in the 80s and 90s and hundreds and didn't really make a dent in in the scene per se they did write a lot of good songs did pure essence um, they're worth looking into put it that way and uh, billy bragg from his uh, sixth lp on go discs uh, don't try this at home we heard accident waiting to happen and that is a gem in its own right next up we're going to hear something brand new from uh, pix's debut long player on uh, Heavenly Records that was released uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, the, the LP is called Age of Anxiety, and this is a nifty little tune called uh, Everything is Weird in America. A lot of things are weird in America, especially nowadays. Outside world, we must look so small From down here, we think our towers are tall But don't be fooled by the horns and lights They like to say we don't sleep at night And if you want, you can wave your hand At any time, just hop on in, you don't need a plan But be aware, it's not all it seems Vision built on movie screens
from their debut 12 inch from 1997 on Regal Records. That's uh, the Beta Band from the 12 inch entitled Champion Versions. And that's the first track of their first ever release entitled uh, Dry the Rain. You can get this on a compilation as well entitled uh, The Three EPs, which compiles all of their first three EPs, which were, I think, Champion Versions was vinyl only. I think the second one was vinyl only, and I think the third EP was available on uh, CD single. I seem to remember. Anyway, if you're a digital kind of cat, you can get all uh, all three EPs nicely housed on one LP, or you can buy the box set where you get it uh, as a matter of course with uh, everything else that they've ever done. And before we heard the wonderful The Beta Band, uh, Everything is Weird in America by Pix of her new LP, Age of Anxiety, uh, recently released I think a couple of weeks ago on uh, Heavenly Records. Whew, I'm going to expire here soon. It's that hot. Anyway, next up, we're going to get uh, some post-punky uh, with uh, some Chicone Youth, a.k.a. Sonic Youth. <laughs>
Ear-bleeding audible melange uh, signifies that it's uh, it's tinterweb time, kids. Uh, the time of the week where I will uh, share with you a website that I have discovered or been coerced into visiting or uh, laterally been pinged from pillar to post uh, during the course of a completely unrelated search. Uh, I'll get to it in just a sec, but I must mention that uh, before we get into tinterweb time, I should let you know what we just heard. Into the Groovy by Jaconi Youth. Uh, a.k.a. Sonic Youth, from the 1989 Whitey album. And that's a Madonna Mickey take, if you like. So this, uh, the website here, which, of course, I always articulate all the URLs that I uh, showcase on the programme in the show notes. So if you go to podbean.com or you go to any of the uh, the regular places, iTunes, TuneIn Radio and uh, Google Play, you'll see all the songs that I have played, complete with hashtags and all related URLs. So this URL's a a massive one, so I'm not going to regurgitate it, but uh, you can uh, go to the site and uh, just click through and and, and visit it yourself with a simple mouse click. But uh, this particular instalment from The Enemy is their claim uh, of the 10 best shoegaze albums qualified by the word ever which is, uh, makes it all the more serious, doesn't it? Number 10, they reckon uh, Slow Dive's debut just for a day from 91 holds down that spot. The Verve, A Storm in Heaven from 1993. I still can't get used to calling them The Verve. I'm call them The Verve. I'm just going to call them Verve and see if anybody sues me over here. Um, that's uh, number 9. The Radio Department with Lesser Matters from 2003 is at number 8. I'll be playing a track off uh, Lesser Matters later on, actually. Uh, the Boo Radleys, Everything's Alright Forever, 1992 holds the number seven slot. Ride are in at number six with Going Blank Again from 92. They're also at number five with Nowhere from 1990. Isn't Anything from 1988 by My Bloody Valentine occupies the number four slot and Slow Dive are in number three with Suvlaki, their second LP from 93. Spiritualizes uh, Laser Guided Melodies is in at number two from 1992 and Predictably, although I wouldn't agree, uh, they have plumped for Loveless by My Bloody Valentine from 91 as the numero uno uh, shoegaze album ever, 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 
ever. So, um, there's, there's a whole load there that are missing. I could talk all day about uh, emissions, but uh, you have a look at yourself and uh, and see if you can uh, uh, do a better top ten or an amended top ten because there are some some stunning emissions here. These are quite obvious, great records, nevertheless. Don't get me wrong, but uh, I don't think they put an awful lot of time and, and thought into this. Maybe a top twenty or twenty five would have been uh, more indicative or would have done this uh, particular endeavour a little bit more justice. Any road, that's Tinterweb time for this week. Now it's time for a request for my mate, uh, Johnny Marmite.
Jimmy the G, that's Hooten Tennis Club from their second LP, Big Box of Chocolates, released last year uh, and preceded by a request for the top man that he is, Johnny Marmite, skanking queens a thousand times. That's the Bodines from Glossop with uh, their fifth single off their only long player entitled Played, which was released in 1987. You can probably hear that drone in the background um, and uh, I'm sorry for the, uh, for the audio quality, but I've commandeered a fan. So I'm actually, uh, I feel pretty good now. I think the temperature's gone down a good 10 degrees Celsius in this little box that uh, constitutes a studio here. It's time for this week's cover version. And this week, um, there is an outfit, an American outfit called Cigarettes After Sex. Uh, Their debut long player was actually released uh, last week and it's rather, rather good. I'll be playing some stuff from it uh, in coming weeks. This is a B-side from a single entitled Affection from 2015. And it's their take on uh, what many deem a classic. Thank you. 
1999 on Fruition Records. That's uh, the Mighty Cooler who released only three singles, I believe. And uh, that was uh, from the Super Sod EP. And that's the title track. Again, Super Sod. Not just the basic sod. Super Sod. And if you're English, British, sod's a derogatory term that I use quite frequently. Super Sod, uh, even better. We heard from El Paso, Texas a uh, rendition of Oreo Speedwagon's Keep On Loving You, Cigarettes After Sex, a B-side from their Affection single released a couple of years ago. And if you like what you hear, pretty dream poppy stuff, that's quite indicative of their sound. Um, you can get their uh, debut LP, which was released, I think, just over a week and a half ago. And uh, I'll be playing songs from it in, uh, in coming weeks, as uh, I've mentioned. Good, good stuff, uh, and not in keeping with the kind of music you would assume would be emanating from the likes of uh, El Paso, Texas. It's time once more for our obligatory fall oh, track. Shape or form out of the heads on a quid of blow. The shapeless kegs flapping off the storm. Look at what they are a pack of worms and it is joy. Show land, it is joy. Show land, it is joy. Show land, it is joy. Show Shell of your cranium, your mystic job suits cannot hide your competitive play charism, and it is joy. Show us your house and show us your cock The work 
genius is bandied about all too readily, especially when it comes to uh, artistic uh, contributions. I think it's immensely appropriate when it comes to Michael Head. Michael Head is just that. He's a songwriting genius. That is the latest works by Michael Head and the Red Elastic Band. If you want to keep abreast of all things happening in the world of Michael Head, whether it pertains to, uh, well, possibly some solo work, but uh, certainly his latest project, the, the Red Elastic Band, just sign up at uh, shacknet.co.uk. And if you're unaware, um, a lot of you are, but if you are unaware, um, uh, Michael Head used to be in a band called Shack. He also be, used to be in a band prior to that called uh, Pale Fountains. Uh, Liverpool, uh, Liverpool Outfits, The Lot. Uh, and uh, he has penned some quite gorgeous, gorgeous tunes over the past 30 years or so. And I encourage you to explore his material. And I will forever be playing it. Uh, whether he stops or not, uh, I will keep playing it. Because there is a lot of repertoire to dig through when it comes to, to Mick Head. And... Uh, He's just, he's just one, of those, one of those artists that I can listen to all day and every day. And he wrote, prior to that, our obligatory fall, our track of the week was 
pulled off their 14th LP, 1992's Code Selfish on Cog Sinister Records. And Idiot Joy, Showland was the tune that we heard. Um, there was some sad news this week. Uh, obviously, there's, uh, there's sad news every week. Uh, and Grenfell Towers is, is, is top of everyone's mind at, at the moment. Uh, but uh, musically, in terms of a passing, we lost uh, another, another stalwart. We lost Mick Lloyd. Last week, uh, the uh, the ex bassist of, of Felt, uh, and Felt was the brainchild of Lawrence Hayward, uh, most notably known as just Lawrence. Uh, he had a mandate of uh, a self-imposed mandate of recording ten records and then disbanding the band, which he did. They released ten records as Felt. Uh, he went on to form a band called Denim. He also then, after the demise of Denim, after two records and a compilation record. He is still making records, albeit uh, not very, very regularly, uh, as uh, go-kart Mozart. I reached out to his management, actually, this week in the hopes of being able to interview Lawrence. It's been uh, a lifelong dream of mine to uh, to interview him. He's, he's on my short list of people that I've not managed to interview that I really, really, really do want to spend some time with and, and chit-chat with. Any road, it fell off the back of a lorry by Denim. Oh, 
let me explain. This is a song which will constitute this week's The Weekly Peel. It's a song that uh, features on the High Fidelity second LP, uh, the Omnicord album released in 2001, the High Fidelity uh, being uh, Sean Dixon's band, his uh, band after the Soup Dragons, prior to his uh, DJ production work and his latest guys as Hi-Fi Sean. Interestingly enough, though, why it qualifies for the Peel section this week is that the song was co-penned uh, by John Peel after uh, Sean himself, after having done a load of Peel, sec- uh, Peel sessions for John Peel over the years, uh, gave him a gift for his 60th birthday, I believe, gave him an Omnicord uh, made by uh, the, the, the people at, uh, at Suzuki. And um, a wonderful piece of kit was this, uh, this Omnicord that uh, John Peel got very, very into it and he co-penned this song with, uh, with, uh, with Sean as a tribute to his wife who he fondly referred to always as, uh, as the pig and uh, hence the song. Do you get it now? Pig Might Fly by the High Fidelity, a.k.a. Sean Dixon's band and from the Omnicord album, their second LP and their last LP from 2001. There you have it. That uh, joins all the dots whereby something that might have been entirely confusing makes a semblance of sense now.
1977 and by that I mean that's the album 1977 that's Ash on Infectious Records from 1996 their second LP and that is our Essential Wax uh, title of the week what can I tell you about the record well it was produced by Owen Morris and Owen Morris is, is best known really for the litany of work that he has done with Oasis he has produced countless Oasis uh, records and songs, but he's also um, produced the likes of Ash, as, as of course <laughs> we're talking about right now, uh, amongst uh, uh, Verve and a, a, a tonne of what you probably call uh, Britpop acts, the Kaiser Chiefs, the Paddingtons, uh, the list goes on and on and on, even The View that I played last week. So you get an idea of uh, the kind of production that this record has uh, to its credit behind the desk, in as much as also uh, the title itself, which is really evocative of a year that uh, the band see as watersheds. They're very, very young. They, they entered the studio 
literally just a few weeks after they'd uh, finished their post-secondary education. And uh, the first album trailer was uh, cobbled together in bits and bobs, but this was their first real residency in uh, in a studio for any any amount of time uh, while they recorded this this wonderful record, which constitutes this week's essential wax. So, um, 1977 was particularly important to the band uh, because of the records, uh, never mind the bollocks, and uh, damn, damn, damned. But uh, very importantly, um, Tim Wheeler especially is a mad, lunatic Star Wars fan. And uh, with some of his uh, newfound wealth uh, in the heady days, he was buying all kinds of Star Wars memorabilia, and he probably still is to this day. Anyway, uh, that uh, would explain why the record itself is entitled 1977. We heard um, Goldfinger, which uh, is their seventh single, which is on this record, of course. And the next song we're going to hear, the last song that's going to impel you to part with some money to buy this record, is their sixth single, entitled Angel Interceptor.
Jeepster Records. That's Salico from their uh, LP entitled Musicality, released in 1999, and that's a song called The Bird and the Bag. Jeepster Records are most notable 
for being the home of Bell and Sebastian, also notable for being the home of the formative years of Snow Patrol. Uh, so as well as Salico, there are other bands like the side project uh, of Bell and Sebastian uh, Looper who were on the label, uh, as well as the Gentle Waves and uh, most recently uh, Six Nation State and Parker. They are all on the label concerned Jeepster. And before uh, we heard that, we heard uh, Angel Interceptor off uh, the Essential Wax LP of the Week, Ashes 1977 from 1996 and preceded by Goldfinger. That's a couple of uh, Ash singles we heard there uh, in the hopes that uh, it can impel you to go and listen to it if you own it or uh, go and buy it if you don't own it. And uh, my amnesia did strike once more, regrettably. Uh, I did fail to mention that between the the Pig Might Fly track and the Ash songs, I neglected, I think, uh, to mention that we are Delicious Monster from 1993 with uh, her scream and screaming and asking for a snuggle which is indeed the track name snuggle so it's time for a hat trick now and what that means is uh, you can stick the kettle on you can uh, prance around the living room you can uh, get your badminton racket out do some air guitar three songs from sweden ranging from tinselheart magnet and the radio department here first and foremost though is from their hey boyfriend ep tinselheart with a song called Talk.
why won't you talk about it? That's the question that's being posed by the radio department. That's from their first of four LPs from 2003's Lesser Matters. Why won't you talk about it? Preceded beautifully by Lay Lady Lay, the single version by Evan Johansson, a.k.a. Magnet, a single from 2004 uh, that uh, features on the On Your Side LP, released on Ultimate Dilemma Records. And that features the beautiful vocal uh, talents of uh, Ireland's Gemma Hayes. Quite gorgeous stuff. And uh, I'm not really a big fan of uh, most Dylan covers that I've heard, but this one is uh, is a stone-cold beauty. And we kick things off with uh, My Chums from Malmo, uh, from Hey Boyfriend, released in 2016. That is Tinsel Heart with a song called Talk. And if you want to find out more about Tinsel Heart, facebook.com slash Tinsel Heart is the place to go. Nearly time to be talking to Sean. Going to play something uh, next by uh, by Simeon off their second LP. And then we're going to hear something off... Uh, or F-T dot. Uh, that's uh, Hi-Fi Sean's first record under the guise of Hi-Fi Sean. So uh, stay tuned for the interview and lots of music in between.
gorgeousness that's hi-fi sean off featuring and that is a track entitled 18th and in keeping with all of the tracks on this record it features a collaborator in this instance norman blake uh, most famously known as being um, frontman at uh, the wonderful outfit teenage fan club which I'm sure you all know how much I uh, adulate uh, said band. And um, there's going to be more coming uh, from this wonderful LP. We'll be playing a, a track uh, in, in a few moments entitled uh, In Love With Life that features Yoko Ono. Um, and uh, there's going to be another track that I'm going to be playing after the interview as well. Sean Dixon is most notable 
for uh, being the frontman of uh, the Soup Dragons, uh, but very, very notably uh, as uh, the frontman of uh, his follow-up project, The High Fidelity, uh, who released two wonderful records in uh, in the shapes of uh, Demonstration and the Omnichord album. The Omnichord album, you've heard a snippet from earlier, of course. That's uh, the John Peel written track uh, that I played for you uh, to qualify for our weekly Peel feature, Pig Might Fly. Um, he's a very, very accomplished DJ and producer and has... Uh, accrued quite a network of people uh, in his uh, in his Rolodex, uh, whereby he called upon a litany of uh, wonderfully talented uh, collaborators to help him with his uh, first record under the guise of Hi-Fi Sean, um, entitled Featured, uh, and, uh, of course, uh, the preceding record, which we'll talk more about, uh, which is uh, the Featured Excursions. So uh, I'm going to play one more track uh, before we get into the interview. Here is uh, a track uh, collaborated uh, with Yoko Ono, entitled In Love With Life. created. It's so beautiful. The concept, the civilization, everything that we created is so beautiful. I don't want that to die. I don't want that to be destroyed.
Sean featuring Yoko Ono of uh, featuring the LP released in 2016. Absolutely stupendous stuff. Um, Sean Dixon, Hi-Fi Sean. Here are all the uh, the coordinates by which to follow him and to find out what's happening in his world. Facebook.com slash Hi-Fi Sean. Soundcloud.com slash Hi-Fi hyphen Sean. Mixcloud.com slash Hi-Fi Sean. Twitter.com slash Hi-Fi Sean. There you have it. What a wonderful, uh, what a wonderful uh, array of tunes. I, I tell you, this this album, I can listen to it time after time after time. It's beautifully put together, and and the collaborations that uh, Sean has managed to uh, to align himself with is just stupendous. And uh, we'll, we'll learn more about that uh, during the course of the interview, which is uh, just in in a, in a matter of seconds' time. And we'll also learn more about uh, the second LP, uh, the featuring Excursions, uh, which was released uh, earlier this year. So stay tuned. Here comes Sean and Pseudo Me, and I'll be back to wrap things up after the interview. Yes, I can hear you. Yes, that's Dar- that's Dara. It is. Yes, lovely. Nice to nice to reconnect. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks. Thanks. I'm good. Magic, magic. Well, I'm sorry to to pull you out of the swimming pool. No, no. I was. I, <laughs> I've been DJing all afternoon around a pool party. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's ideal weather for it, isn't it? Yes, yes, yes. Um, you're in you're in Canada, yeah. Yeah, I'm in Ottawa, and it's it's about forty degrees here today. I was holed up in the studio uh, recording the podcast today, and uh, all right, brutal. Yeah, it's been it's been crazy, like crazy hot. I think it's thirty today here. Yeah, we're talking to relatives back home this morning, and it was thirty-one, and it's just just not prepared for that kind of heat and humidity. It's ridiculous, isn't it? Uh, I've been standing for six hours around a DJ unit all afternoon, so uh, I'm a bit tired. Well, hopefully. <laughs> I was DJing till six this morning at um, a place called The Egg. Yes. And then I got home, uh, went for a few hours sleep, and then I've been all afternoon DJing as well. Well, in, in, in relative terms, I'm a complete lightweight. I, I, I'd have to be hospitalised after a couple of days of that. But I suppose it's, it's now your newfound lifestyle, isn't it? Your, uh, your DJing and production work. It seems, to, uh, it seems to have a life of its own, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. 
I don't. I don't think I'm a normal DJ though, because I think what the records are making what a DJ are quite two separate things. Yes. Yes. Well, let's well, let's let's talk about that because for, for the uninitiated, I mean, you're most famous for for, for the obvious band, of course, uh, that that people obviously know just by virtue of the way the media is and, and uh, how popular you were at the time. But uh, yeah. me, me personally, as a fan of your work, I, I'm particularly enamoured with the, the work of uh, The High Fidelity. Uh, oh, great. Okay, cool. Well, those, well, those two records were, were fantastic. And, and forgive me for saying this, they didn't pass by unnoticed with mainstream music press, but they weren't yeah. exactly given yeah. the credit that they deserved. Because I, I, I really don't think they, they knew how to pigeonhole it, to be honest. I mean, the, the High Fidelity, those two albums, and, and the band as a live band as well, were in my in my in, in my books. They were like like the most groundbreaking thing around yeah. that. And there was no there was nobody else like it, nobody remotely like that. Um, the fact we were going to India and working with Bollywood orchestras, uh, we were making whole albums of songs wrote on because the only person that completely hundred percent got us and thought we were amazing was John Peel. Well, yeah. Well, let's talk. Let's talk about Peely because uh, in the, in the program, uh, I, I, I feature a Peel session track every week, and this week I kind of hybridised it, uh, and I uh, I played the uh, the track that, that John, uh, well, by virtue of you introducing him to the Omnichord, he created a bit. It was actually it was actually John's idea to do the Omnichord album because I bought him an Omnichord for his birthday. Yeah. Yeah, and he said to me, he said he, he got me down to he got us the bands down to London to do his infamous Christmas party. Yeah, and we all had to do a song. You know, there was like other bands, and you had to pick. You had to pick like a, most people picked obscure Christmas songs, but I picked the most obvious one, which was Silent Night. Um, we turned it into a big kind of on the court excursion. Uh, John absolutely loved it, and that night he said to me, you know, he said. Um, because he didn't really know much about the instrument, and, and and it was his birthday a few weeks later. I can't remember, I think it was maybe his 60th. It was it, yeah, I think it was his 60th, Sean. Yeah, so he um, he said to me, and you know, I used to go down to his house, I used to go down to his house in the countryside, because yeah. uh, he, used, he used to broadcast from his house sometimes, and um, I, he said to me, he went, uh, I went, I'm going to get you one of these, so I bought him one for his birthday, <laughs> and I said, the deal, and then he said to me, well, I think you should make a whole album of songs on an Omnicord, and he goes and he goes and I'm pretty clued up, and I know for a fact nobody's ever done that before. And um, I said to him, "Okay, then." But the deal is, if I buy you an Omnicord for your birthday, you got to write a song with me. And he said, "Well, do I get credit?" And I went, "Of course you do." And I said, "And he said, so does that mean every time I play it, I get money?" And I went, "Yeah." <laughs> and he and he, he must have played it about five hundred times. He would play, he get, every time he play it, he go like that's another forty five pounds to play. Um, Fantastic. And, um, I still I've still got the, it's, it's quite it's, I've still got the dart tapes of his him writing the song with me and him coming up with ideas and all that. And, that's brilliant. And he, he used to, he used to send me these dart tapes and he, and there was one of them where he went and answered the door and forgot that the tape was running because <laughs> he, he was he was writing the song and then he kind of went eh, oh somebody at the door and then all you could hear was this conversation for about fifteen minutes they came back and he went oh I've left it running and then it just stopped. <laughs> that's a, that's some wonderfully archival stuff that you've got there. Yeah 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 I mean I. I, I 
true. I love I loved John Daly. I mean, if it wasn't for John Peel, the Soup Dragons wouldn't have existed. If, you know, in a way, I mean, he was the person that brought us to the world very quickly as young six, seventeen-year-old boys who, you know, the, the first time, the first time he he phoned. I remember he phoned, I was seventeen, still living at home, and he phoned, and Mum went, "Oh, there's somebody on the phone for you." And then she goes, "Some guy called John Peel." <laughs> like, of course, yes. And um, I was like, "Hello." Uh, he was like, yeah, it's John Peel. Would like, I'd like you to come down to London and do my session. And then, oh, that's amazing. I went, but um, we're kind of all on the door and we don't have any money to come to London. And he said to me, well, I'll meet you next week. Because um, in those days, those DJs used to DJ a lot at the, at the student unions and things. He said, I'm playing at Glasgow University. Um, come and meet me. I went and met him. I walked up to him and I went, I, you John Peel? And he went, yeah. And I went, I'm Sean from the Soup Dragons. He went, oh, I've got something for you. And he put his hand in his pocket and gave me £150 of cash out of his pocket. Magic. And I went, what's that for? And he said, come down to London and do my session. And I went, all right, um, so I'll, I'll give you it back when we've got money. And he went, he went, yes, you will, but that won't be until you're very famous. And I went, okay then. And he, he, he would never take the money off. Every time I saw him, I would try and give him the money. In fact, the last time I actually saw him, um, I tried to hide it down the back of his car seat. <laughs> <laughs> and he found it, and, and he used to, he used to shout, "Hey!" Now he, I wouldn't say what he said, but he, he kind of um, he found it. He went, "No, no, take it, take it." Not having any of that. Not having any of that. Well, yeah, it's, it's it's quite well documented. I mean, not not just yourself. I mean, he accelerated the trajectories of a lot of bands. That's that's for sure. I mean, who's to yeah, say? Yeah, I mean, that's what's that's what's missing in, in, in the music culture these days. Is I, I mean, I, I, in a way, I used to call like I used to think of John Peel as some kind of shit filter. So basically, all the music went through John Peel and what was filtered through the other end was something that you would try and take notice of. And yeah. you have to remember, he, didn't, he played all kinds of music. He played from acid house to rock, to rockabilly, to, to soul. To, I mean, he just played, he basically, I, I mean, the classic quote from John Peel, which I want to have on my, I mean, I would have this on my gravestone. Uh, I was sitting, I stayed the night and I was sitting in his bre breakfast in his kitchen it was like a proper, it was a thatched cottage. So you can imagine it's actually a country kitchen. Yeah. With the, agar, with the agar cooker and all this. And there's, uh, there's Sheila, who he used to call the pig, wandering about. And um, he was sitting and the postman came and it was like three huge sacks of like, you know, in those days it was cassettes and CDs and all that kind of stuff. And he was making, he was talking, having breakfast with me, making piles. And I'm like, what's the piles? And he went, those are definites. Those are, we'll get round to it, and those are no. And I went, looked at him, and, and I looked him in the eye, and I went, John, how do you keep doing this? I mean, like, what keeps you going? And he looked at me, and he goes, he goes, somewhere in there might be the best record I've ever heard. True enough. True enough. And he said, he said to me, he goes, the next record, that's what he said, the next record I hear may be the best record I'll ever hear. And ever since he said that, it completely changed my whole focus on music. Well, I think that, 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 that very simple sentence... I, I can't I can't draw a parallel to that, but what I can do is I can say that once upon a time when I when I got married way back when, my wife said, "Well, can't you just stop buying music? Haven't you got enough?" I've heard that so many times. I've had that as well. Yeah, and, and I mean, I just don't even know where to begin to answer that question. To be frank, but but you you've been the recipient of well. Let's call it some kind of mentorship, really. But but also, John John. I I never met John Peel, but I've I've, I've met and, and and know a lot of people who've spent a lot of time with him. 
and mm. never a bad word has been said. And his influence, the ripple effect, is well, you you, you can't really calculate it. But as you said, he, he was a, a a shite filter, if you like. And um, yeah. what with what with modern what with modern media as it is now, and, and and the industry having forever changed, whether we like it or not, that mm. there there are there are no real. Uh, what you deem curators on the radio. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, the, thing, the thing that gets me as well is that we're, we're, every day we are completely bombarded with information we got in and, and all kinds of things, you know, media information. But musically, I'm bombarded, especially as a DJ. I, I, you know, for some reason, my email address gets in every record company's hands. So I get bombarded with so much music. And, um, and, and, and and even when you're on social media, people advertising and everything. And yes, it's great that everything's a DIY culture now. We can do everything ourselves. But you also have to remember that DIY culture has created a complete mega mass of absolute crap as well. Oh, sure. And that's what's, ha- and that's what's happening. There's basically, there's way too much information out there and there's nothing filtering it down to the stuff that you should really hear. And um, and then you know then people can say well yeah it was only John Peel's taste yes it was John Peel's taste but John Peel's had a very wide taste in knowing what culturally should have been heard to help music along and on on its way yeah and that's what that's what doesn't happen these days I mean it's like everybody's got a blog everybody's got like a everybody's got a say these days on social media and on the internet but the problem is. Nobody, uh, you know, there's nobody sitting there going like, well, actually, you know, some of this is pretty crap. Um, you know, it's like it even shows you like how like the NME, the NME's giving away free uh, trip stops now. Oh, for goodness' sake! I mean, at the end of the day, you're absolutely right. I mean, who, who, who on the air right now? A has got any degree of autonomy to play what they want to play in a mainstream capacity, and and, yeah. and two, I don't know one DJ, perhaps. Perhaps, and I don't even know this to be true, uh, even Steve Lamack, uh, p- people who are actually still buying records and still treat it as a vocation, not a job. Yeah, yeah Steve, Lamack, Steve Lamack's very, very in the John Peel camp. Uh, Steve, Steve's still a, a total curator of music, and there's a lot of the people in Six Music. And a lot of people on Radio 2 and Radio 1 too, but Radio 1's kind of different now. Yeah. Radio 1's a slightly younger bracket, which is fair enough, but Radio 2, who totally got behind my single Testify, which was amazing. Yeah, they uh, played that a lot, didn't they? They played that a heck of a lot. Yeah, it was A-listed. Um, so, you know, the, the way I look at it is, to me, you know, people have got to stop reciting numbers. I'm sick of hearing numbers. It's like, oh, it's had a million streams, oh, it's had 10,000. You know, you can buy numbers in any South American website company. You know, these people buy a million YouTube hits and then go, oh, my record's had a million YouTube hits. It's all just fake economy. Ignore the numbers and start using your ears. That's what I say. I'm sick of numbers. I'm sick of people playing things on radio going, oh, here's a new record by somebody that's had 3 million streams. I don't care. I don't care if it's a one stream, is it any good? No, well, bye. You know, so people people within the industry, especially A&R people, have got to start using their ears. Oh, for goodness sake, you hit the nail on the head. And also A&R, A&R men per se, are uh, going the way of the dodo because of the way that the industry works. Um, I wanted to ask you a question because this is this related to the whole the whole scheme of things. You know, you've released two consummate records in the last year and a half or so. Records last that, six months actually. Yeah, six months. <laughs> it's it's, it's hard. Yeah, yeah. I listen to a lot of music, so it's even hard for me to gauge who's releasing what. To be frank, because I try, I try my level best in a 
in an amateuristic capacity to share music with people, hopefully in the hopes that they'll turn them on to something. So these two records that you've released, as I've listened to Death, and you kindly sent them to me again, but with, I don't mean to be uh, throwing kindness in your face, I already had them, that, 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 and I've listened to them an awful lot. Now, let's say you know these two records make their way to Spotify. How do yeah. you... How do you as an artist feel about, you know, every last man Jack being able to listen to your music, but you in terms of actually getting paid becomes the, the missing part of that equation? Yeah, the, pro the problem is with, um, as you know, like most bands uh, use music now just as a way to promote their tours and go out and they make the money touring, um, you know. People like the Stone Roses, you know, wait, you know, Stone Roses, Roses, twenty years later, still rolling out that album to Wembley Stadium last night and tonight, and making absolutely millions each. Um, I've been offered that so many times to go. I could walk on stage and sing "I'm Free," but you know something? One thing that I've always respected myself for is I've never went backwards. I've always moved forwards, and yes. I've never regurgitated anything that I've done. And the other thing as well is like I know exactly what happened in 1988, 89, and 90 with the Soup Dragons. I know when the scheme of things that we were actually a lot more groundbreaking than a lot of these uh, music papers ever gave us any credit for because yeah. I know the chronological order of the way things happen and the way certain bands copied us. So I'm I'm actually quite happy, you know. Yeah, I'm sitting here. I'm not worth a million pounds like Ian or ten million pounds like Ian Brown or somebody. You know what I mean? But yeah. the one thing is, I've got a hell of a lot more artistic credit than some of these people because I've sat here and all along. You know, the reason I never made records for fifteen years was because I was completely, to put it nicely, when um, you know. The, the, the music industry didn't do me much favours, yes. and the um, and the media didn't do me much favours. And for me to get round to making another album, I had to do something that was kind of so far removed from what I'd done before, but also something like I mean, like the the FT album, the FT excursion albums, yeah. actually owe a lot to the high fidelity. As as somebody said to me, it just sounds like the high fidelity if you were a DJ. Yeah, which is basically that's as basically as natural as you can say because yeah, I was I was the high, I was in the high fidelity and I'm a, I'm now a DJ. Yeah, so. I think you know to, to you obviously it's a very very personal thing. It's a very very subjective. To 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 a chap like me who's you know been you know been listening to to you since Hang Ten and, and watched this transition with with great interest. Uh, you, you've kind of metamorphosized in a, in a very, very organic way. And, and I think the first signs of that, for me anyway, whether I'm on the barking up the wrong tree, but you know, when, when I first heard um, some of the, uh, the Mother Universe uh, mixes, and uh, I, I think that was like a subliminal turning point for you, whereby, yeah. is that fair to say? I would, I would say it started at Can't Take No More, which was like 1987, um, we done we done like a limited edition twelve inch. You can't take no more. Which yeah. was called it was called something like um, it was like based on a drum beat, and it was like a kind of break beat with um, with the song on top of it. And that started making me realise what I could do with rhythms mm. more than just making a wall of noise with guitars. So um, then it went from can't take no more to backwards dog. Backwards dog was basically salt and pepper with noisy guitars on top. Because mm -hmm. if you listen to backwards dog, it's basically it owes a hell of a lot to push it. Yes, it um, does. It was just basically push it. We were listening to a lot kind of uh, hip hop from New York. Yeah, and then and then I started listening to a lot of kind of like dub ragger, electronic dub ragger, and that's where that's where. Um, Mother Universe started to raise its head, 
and Mother Universe, when it came out as a 12-inch, uh, which was like a year before Iron 3, um, was played by a lot of the big acid house DJs and at the end of like 88, start of 89, I was getting played in all these clubs and things and we were getting um, invited along to raves because they didn't have a... They didn't have a clue who the Suit Dragons were. They didn't know the, the 15 <laughs> singles that we'd done before. Yeah. Um, we all thought it was quite funny. It was like a new, it was a new energy. It was a new punk energy that we were uh, in kind of attracted to. It was crazy. It was anarchic. It was everything that you wanted punk rock to be, but you were too young to ever experience it. So we kind of threw ourselves into that whole scene. And I'm Free was made as a as a kind of joke. It was one. It was two days left in the studio, and we had nothing to do. And it was on the TV that night, the Stones at Hyde Park. And the next day, I had the song in my head. I didn't have the lyrics. There was no internet. There was nothing to look up the lyrics. So I made the lyrics up. Hence, the lyrics not being anything like the original. Brilliant. Um, Junior Reed, we met at a party that night and said, do you want to come to the studio the next day and join in? <laughs> and he joined in. And then we've, we looked up Yellow Pages for a gospel choir. And um, we got the community gospel choir, not knowing it was quite a famous one. Uh, they came round the next day and they sang in it. We put it out, and two weeks later, we were on top of the box. Isn't so that? There was, there was, there was, there was no kind of. Uh, the one thing that pe- people that know me well know that I'm not careerist. I've never been careerist. It's just not any interest to me whatsoever. The other thing that people know me well is I, I, I hate doing what other people do. I try my hardest not to like follow suit with anybody else. Yes. Um, and you know. It kind of hurt me when I'm when I'm three became such a monster of a record, and the way people's knives came out on us, oh, yeah. basically because we didn't ride on off the back of, you know, journalism. We didn't ride off being like the Golden Boys, but you know something, where all those bands that they raved about back then, Gay Dads, blah blah. You know, there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them. We survived, and everybody that's in the Soup Dragon still makes music today. It makes good music, yeah, and still is around and, and being being viable contributors to, to the community, the music community. But that's what it was like, Sean. I mean, even as a reader, I mean, the nepotism that the enemy and the melody maker was uh, it was palpable. And, and um, you, 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 well, the, you, the famous the famous quote that we were we were dragged down for years and years and years. One because of one bloody quote, which drives me insane. Because the quote was, there's always been a dance element to our records. Yes, I did say that, but I was talking about my record collections, and that's what the guy knew I was talking about. Because up until that point, what we were talking about was, he was asking what kind of records did we buy, and I said, well, for years I've been buying Chicago House records, I've been buying Modern Soul records, I've been buying James Brown's records, you know, Slime Family Stone. So yeah, there's always been a dance element to our records. Yes. Not our own bloody records, our record collections. He knew that, and he did that intentionally to make us look like fools. But when you actually put the last word on collections, doesn't it all make suddenly a lot more sense? Well, it was a completely different uh, why, why interpretation. Why would I say that about one record? Why would I sit and say that about, you know, at that point, six years' worth of music that I'd written? Why would I sit and say that? It was completely ludicrous. It made me look... And the other thing as well, because of the whole baggy thing that went on in Manchester, I was made to look like some kind of thick idiot by saying that. They just threw me into that whole camp. Yes. And I saw the thing ahead. There was nothing remotely baggy about the Soup Dragons. Oh, crikey. Nothing, nothing whatsoever. I, I yeah, you know, that's, that was one of the reasons we went to America and done the whole... Um, we, just, we just thought, you know, we, we can't win here. People have just, you know, people have branded us, you know... 
before social media, you could have, you, in the days now, you can stand up for yourself. I mean, like that music paper went went and quoted a quote about a year ago on Twitter saying that I said it again, and I pulled them up, and in front of lots of millions of people, I said, I never said that, I said record collections. Suddenly there was like a hundred tweets afterwards going, oh my God, that makes sense. Yes. I really do that to you. So whereas I couldn't do that at the time, even though when it came out, we went to them and said, we didn't say this in this context. They just laughed and thought it was funny. So, but that's the problem is these people back then thought, you know, because they had a lot of power, these people don't have power anymore. No, they've got zero power and they're, and they're fumbling to have any kind of career in the industry that they uh, they thought that they were so influential in, really. No, mu no music journalist has any power anymore. No. The music journalists are now on the same level as the bands, which is exactly what it should be. Because back then, music journalists did have a lot more power than the bands. They could make and break bands. Whereas now, we're all on the same level. So just learn to actually be positive and appreciate the music. If you're going to be negative about it, you know, at least try and be constructive. Oh, yes. I mean, you have to qualify everything you say, and that's that's the culpability factor has been brought into it. Now, you, one thing I get from talking to you, and, and also knowing that you've had a very, very colourful past 20 years, that's for sure, um, you, yeah. you seem to be very comfortable in your own skin now. Not that you ever weren't, but you just seem completely um, focused on what you're doing. And, and you've already spoken in detail and touched upon the fact that you pay no attention to, 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 to populace. You pay no attention to numbers. You, you are yeah. just on this musical journey and, and you are regimentally producing music that this, this, this metamorphosizing release by release. I mean, the way, the way I look at it is when, I mean, you have to remember, I've been making records now for 37 years. It was 1985 was the first time. Yeah. I mean, is, is that 37 years? 35? Yeah, isn't it? Yeah, 37 years. 35 years. 32 years. 35 years, yeah, yeah. So oh, yeah. it's like, you know, and if you, you have to remember the Beatles. How long were the Beatles together? Was it 10 years? It was less than that. And you look at the first album and the last album, they bear no resemblance to each other. Absolutely. You like to look at albums one, three, seven, and that, you know, they don't bear any resemblance to each other because they were always moving forward trying to like find new pastures. Um, with me, it's like making music is about finding new excitements to me. Um, uh, the FT album was... Um, sorry. Uh, the FT album was, was something I did personally over the last few years with no view to releasing it if I wasn't, you know, I, that was, I was under no pressure to release a record because I hadn't released a record for 15 years. Mm. So if I had made that album and sat back and thought, actually, do you know something, this doesn't, this doesn't work for me, I wouldn't have released it. Um, what happened was I made it and I actually, it, actually, it actually turned out the way I hoped I would sound in 2016 and that's why I released it. Well, it makes intrinsic sense to me. Uh, uh, what, what I'm, what I'm not, not curious about, because I know how you did it, but the, 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 the talent that you have aligned yourself with, you know, whether it's Yoko or, or Crystal Waters, the, the, the collaborators, Sean, over the course of how long were the tracks accrued then? Can, can, or is it something that you can even uh, remember? Because I know that it's done over the course of, the course of time. Um, no, no, but the actual, the actual album was only made over, uh, it was two years ago, I'm just putting my phone on, search. because uh, my phone's dying. Uh, can you still hear me? Yeah. yeah, yeah, no worries. Yeah, yeah, and the album was made, like, over a period of, like, two, two years. Um, it started off with me going to, like, uh, you know, 
I started writing some songs and ideas. Um, I started reaching out to people I knew already, like um, I'd already made a track with Bootsy Collins back in the Soup Dragons days, and then we toured, we toured with um, Delight, yeah. and Bootsy was with them. Uh, so I knew Bootsy, we started with Bootsy, I started reaching out to, but then I started reaching out to some people I didn't even, and, you know, because the weird thing was, I made these, I made, originally it started off as two tracks, it wasn't like a concept of the idea at first. I'd done the uh, track with Fred Schneider from the B-52s, right. and I'd done the track with Bootsy, and I sat there, and, they, and, and I really enjoyed doing it, because I don't think I'd enjoy it as much as I did. I enjoyed it, and it sounded great, and I thought, <clears throat> if I could do more of these, I could actually create this concept of doing an album like I was curating my record collection by writing new songs with people who are in my record collection. Yeah, and um, that's basically what what the album was. It was like it was like having a gallery, but instead of putting pictures up of all your favorite people, you put you know you made you made sound bites, and um, I started reaching out to people I didn't even know through other people. It was like a network, uh, like a social media network. It was like a a family tree. You would ask somebody, "Oh, do you know this person? Or do you know this person?" Like um, <laughs> Alan, Ve- I got Alan Vega's email from somebody. Um, sent sent this track to Alan Vega, thinking, "Yeah, I'm never hear anything." <laughs> the next day, Alan Vega sent me a message saying, "Basically, I love the Soup Dragons, and I've been sitting looking watching the Soup Dragons videos on YouTube all night. I love the records." <laughs> and it was like it was like the best email I've ever had in my life. Or I lost a lot of confidence over the years of not making records, so um, I had a lot of uh, hit, like mental health issues and things. Yeah. Um, so um, I kind of uh, it was it was it was kind of a way to give me confidence as well, uh, working with all these people because it felt like it just felt like a really warm glow to have people like Alan Vega wanting to work with you. Absolutely, um, what, what what an accolade that is! I mean, you, you, your sort of insecurities and your confidence. I mean, it's safe to say now that that's well in the past. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm 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 actually making a, the next album at the moment. Um, all I can tell you um, is it's myself and a certain person, and we're doing a whole album together. <laughs> okay. It's going to be totally amazing, um, and uh, it's. And I'm working with the guy that I worked with the High Fidelity with, with a hundred piece Bollywood orchestra. Oh, wonderful stuff! That's going to uh, be immense. And it's going to be, it's going to be like, uh, it's going to be for next summer. Right. Uh, it's going to be a kind of psychedelic space epic opus of a soul album with a hundred piece orchestra. Bloody hell! So yeah, just just something that's run of the mill then, yeah. Bloody hell! That sounds. You've established another niche now, haven't you? With that, blimey. Uh, it's, it's kind, of, kind of what we're doing is, is making. Um, I kind of t- I touched on it a lot on the FT album and, and on the dub album as well. But I've kind of found I found my feet, and I want to take it one step further into a much more. Um, it's, it's, it's kind of weird thing. It's, it's just all happened naturally. It's not. It's not. It's not as kind of preconceived or anything. It's just. But um, I, I had a meeting with Shandru who I haven't seen for a while, and. Um, we decided to work together again, and um, and so far the 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 um, what's been the product's been amazing so far. The things that have been happening, it, it, I'm just some of the songs are just amazing. It's kind of like if Prince, Marvin Gaye, and the Flaming Lips all got together and made an album, that's what it would sound like. Oh wow! Well, that, that's that's a wonderful triple analogy. That is that's superb. So is 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 this uh, lost without you? Still slated for July the twenty second. 
No, 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 no. It's uh, what's happening is Defected, which who are uh, an amazing, a really cool, amazing dance label uh, from the UK. I mean, I'm sure you know Defected, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Defect, Defected. Um, when 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 Testify came out at Christmas, it was on my label Plastique because mm-hmm. uh, I've resurrected Plastique to put my album out. And when when Defect when when, when when Testify came out, it exploded and it went top twenty and. To be honest, I didn't know what to do. <laughs> yes. I, was getting, I was getting like a hundred phone calls a day saying, you've got to do this, you've got to do this, you've got to do that. And I'm like, I can't do this. This is too much. Um, so <laughs> suddenly all these record labels were trying to buy it off me. Like, there was like, you know, uh, a story and blah, blah, blah. And all these labels were appearing. And Defected appeared and said, we'd love to take the record off your hands uh, for Worldwide. And I was about like... Okay, so I went to meet them and, and Simon Dunmore, who owns Defected, said the best thing he could ever say to me. He just looked me in the eyes and he just went, listen, I just want your bloody record on my on, on my record label. That's all. I want it to be on my record label. And I was like a fan. It was like, you know, he wanted it on his record label just because he wants to have that record in his catalogue. I want yeah. that record. Yeah. And I've never, I've, never, I've never met that passion in somebody in the music industry for ages. And it's the best thing I've ever done. They're the best people to work with ever. And they're, they're about to release a single next month. Okay. Because um, they've got like, a, they've got clubs, they've got parties in Ibiza, which I'm going to play, etc. But they've been... They've been, they've been the record's been bubbling away, Testify, everybody knows, everybody knows Testify, so it's getting released next month with a few new mixes, but it's still all about the original three-minute um, song. That song, um, that song, I, t- I tell you, it expounds all the boundaries. It really does a wonderful job of, I mean, I, I don't know, if they, you don't sound like you've done anything concertedly. Uh, this wonderful organic naivety that you've always produced your music by, Test it, it just... It, as, I, as I'm trying to articulate this, when I played it for my wife, I said, can, uh, I said, can you tell me what genre of music this is? Uh, and let, let the, <laughs> or let the games begin, right? Because, uh, you know, you, the, the record from orchestral arrangements to Balearic, it, it's, uh, so, it's so beautifully over the map, but it really... Well, you're talking about the album. Well, no, I'm talking, I'm talking about the song, but then I'm, then I'm talking about the album as well. You've got all these wonderful styles, yet for some reason despite it being curated and, and cobbled together with different people it's a wonderful yes, yes, wonderful whole yes. piece it's a whole yes. piece that, that was that was that was one thing when i was doing the, the original ft was like if this doesn't sound like an album i'm not doing it i'm not doing a compilation i'm not doing something that just sounds like a playlist this has to run like an album and i knew as i was writing the songs i knew what one was going where i knew that a kiss before dying was the last track yeah with a shadow of a doubt i mean it is, it is and i'm a bit old school it's like a first track and an end track to an album is very important oh. you know i still i still think of an album as vinyl so it was like you know and, and when i released the album i released it on double vinyl so i made sure that each side of each track of each vinyl opened with a kind of opening you know so there's like there's four sides so there's four openings yeah. so uh, with, with, with a kiss before dying i told alan from the start i said we're doing the last track and he's like okay so he he took that idea in his head and and with alan he never could have done the he, he he didn't sing to the orchestral side of things i said to him i'm going to do like a five minute track and it's electronic which is something that you feel comfortable working in and when i get the vocals and when we do the sessions I'm then going to take it and I'm going to extend it into an orchestral piece. But halfway through the track, mm. the track's going to cross over from being electronic to being 100% symphonic. But you won't hear the join. 
Right. And he, he took that away and he understood what I was saying. And I, said, I gave him all these reference points of like full metal jacket and apocalypse now. And I said, you know, that's the kind of sound I want for this track. I want it to sound like the end of a war. Yeah, I want yeah. To, I, want, I want it to sound like a war movie. And obviously, Alan, being Alan, came back with these amazing lyrics, A Kiss Before Dying, a very suicide, the whole idea of the American um, dream going wrong, which is what a lot of suicide was about. Um, and he he'd he, he done this amazing vocal. But the thing is, he was quite clever because he knew when I was going to start making the thing break down because he wrote the song in the way about a guy going to war, ex- being excited about going, seeing a new world, and then actually dying. And as he dies and the bullets hit him, the thing starts to change. And it, but then it was like, I tried to explain to him, I don't want it to be depressing. I don't want it to be like somebody dies and it gets really dark. I goes, I want it to be quite euphoric at the end, so it feels like you're rising up into the light. And, I, and he totally got that. He totally got that with the way he'd done it all. Brilliant, because I was talking to, uh, are you familiar with uh, with Stuart McLeod, the, the, the Scottish producer? Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because Stuart was talking about it, and actually a, a, a couple of, not a couple of weeks, probably a couple of months ago, I was talking to someone you know, Douglas Stewart. Yeah, I know Douglas. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah and, they, and they shared the very same sentiment, and by that I mean uh, the, the, the cognizance of, of what track one, side one means, or whether it's the last track on the A side or the first track on the B side, Track sequencing still holds. It, it, it's it's a dying art form, and it's a dying want or necessity for most people. But it's lovely to hear that some people actually do take the time and attention to to, to the sequencing of, of 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 the tracks on on a record. I think it, I think it also helps your way of writing because the, the the album I'm making at the moment, and I need to watch it because I see the person. Yeah, you can let the cat out of the bag, <laughs> aren't you? <laughs> uh, but I, I, the, we sat the other day and we wrote this song. Um, I just looked at each other and that's the first track of the album. <laughs> An understanding, right? You just know, yeah. you know what first track. I remember Testify. I remember when my dad Testify with Crystal. It was like, this is obviously a single. You know, you just knew straight away. It was like, you know, that's what, I mean, that's what happens when you make records. You, you, you make an album then, and then something, you know, you don't go out your way. I'd never go out my way to make a single. It just happens. Um, it was like Divine Thing. I don't even remember writing Divine Thing, but I remember recording it, and it was all done very quickly. And we released it, and it went top 20 in America. It was like, you just know, you just know when you've done something, you sit there and you go like, wow. You know, it's like it's like you start listening to it in a third person. Yes. You can actually sit back and go, oh my God, this is amazing. You, you actually enjoy it more than how you usually enjoy your own music, because you're obviously very self-critical all the time about your own music. I'm, I'm, I drive myself insane, but when testify, I remember getting testify and I kind of put it all together and I put it on, I put it on in my car. I, that's how I listen to music quite a lot. I put it in my car and I was driving about and I was just like, it just feels like I was listening to somebody else's records. It was just the best feeling in the world because I had no feelings towards it. It was like I wasn't sitting there going on like the hi hats too loud, the bass drums too loud, and it. It was just like I love this. I want to play it again. Oh, there it goes again. <laughs> I'll play it again. And we did this the other day, we wrote a track, which I, you know, I've had in my iPhone, on my phone, my headphones, walking about London on a loop. And and it feels like I'm watching a video every time I'm, I'm, I'm listening to this track. And, and it's just a demo, we haven't actually recorded it properly. Um, and, you know, you just know, you know straight away, you yeah. know, like, okay, this is either... 
you know, the first track of an album should never always be a single. I've never, you know, but, the, but, but with FT, Testify had to be the first track. Yes. And with this album, that's happening right now. Even got, this is a crazy thing. I like we've even got a name for the album. We've even got the record cover and everything, and we haven't even finished writing the music. <laughs> we've actually, we've actually come up with a complete look, feel, sound, and everything, and we've only wrote half the album. We know exactly what we're doing. We know that from now to Christmas, we we meet up twice a week. You, you know, we get, I, I nearly said his name. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna let that. You're gonna let it. <laughs> And we come, comes, we come, anyway, we are twice a week, and we write, and we've decided we're just going to keep doing that till Christmas, and if we end up with like 30 songs, you know, we just take what we want out of that, or if we only end up with 10 songs, we only get 10 songs, we're just, but just now the problem is, we've got 10 songs in three weeks, it's, it's going crazy, we're just oh. writing and writing and writing, and we're loving it, you know, we're discovering each other, and, and I, think, I think as I get older, I love working with people. Yeah, I learned at WFT, it was like, it's not all about me, it's about me sharing, you know, I'm not in a band anymore, and you know, I, I really made a conscious effort not to be in a band, I didn't want to be a DJ, I, I didn't mean to be a DJ, it just happened, I came to London, I had records, people asked me to DJ, next minute I asked to be a DJ again, next minute I asked me to DJ again, and it became my source of income for 15 years, and here yeah. I am, um, as a DJ, Um you know, it's just, and all I do is play records. You know, some DJs take it really serious and careerist. All I do is bloody play records. All I do is play my favourite records. It's no big deal. Well, let's be you know, honest. Let's be honest. Know, yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. It's no more, no less. You're playing, anyone wants to get grandiose about being a DJ. I think. No, but it's like, I, I know how, I know how to, I've played to 2,000 people in a club and I've got 2,000 people with their hands in the air going crazy. I'm not stupid. I know, you know, I'm a songwriter. I've been making music for like 30 years. I know the intelligence of how music works, the molecules of music, how to bounce them together and drive people mad. And it's like, it's the same as being on stage. It's the same thing. Yeah. But you're doing it with your music and you're doing it with other people's music. I hear things in other people's music, that, you know. So, but do you know something? It ain't brain surgery. I'm just playing records. I'm playing music to people. I'm introducing people to sounds. The thing I like doing is mixing things on top of each other. It creates other things. So it keeps me excited. So I'm never, I'm never actually doing the same thing Every night, you know, I'll take a record and have like the next record playing like for two minutes while that one's playing, and then little things start appearing with rhythms and things, and it's like, whoa, you know, it keeps me happy. It's like, oh, that never happened before. Um, well, it you know, sounds so, yeah. it sounds like it's just fueling your creativity because you're you're a chap that that it's pretty fair to say you can't stay still. You're always creating, and I'm just so happy for you that you found. An outlet, and, and by that I mean not just an outlet to share, but an outlet to create, and and, and the two are, are meeting, yeah, and, yeah. and and the and, and the end result is something quite beautiful. Then the very fact that it was something that you didn't set out to do, because you know, I mean, you've gone through a lot of hardship. I'm not going to get into it, but I mean, you know, you've gone through some hardship uh, in in the late '90s and in the early 2000s, and you you you, yeah. you, you forged you forged this wonderful. Uh, following, if you like, which I know that the DJing was a, was a catalyst to, to the wonderful releases that we've seen of late. And I'm yeah. just, as, as someone who's a, a music fan and, and likes to likes to try and curate stuff to people as you do in, in a different capacity, I'm really, really, really looking forward to your new stuff because it's a wonderful thing to follow artists and not be able to predict what's coming next and there's so much there's <laughs> yeah, so much predictability yeah. in music whereby you know it's going to sound like 
I don't want to vilify anybody, but you know, it's going to sound like a Stone Roses record as an example, um, or be fumbling to try and sound like a Stone Roses record. But with you, it's it's a wonderful thing whereby it's the old Forrest Gump box of chocolates analogy. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the next album doesn't sound like F2. <laughs> well, I, if it did, I'd be stunned. But, it sound, but the thing is, it sounds like the person who made F2. That's the difference. Well, you the, know, everything, everything I've ever made, if you know me and you know what I'm about, sounds like me. And yeah, I've had a lot of people say that, you know, when they heard the FT for the first time, they were like, it's 100% you. We can hear you all the way through it. But it's like, you know, but it's something new. And that's what I've always tried to do. It's like, yeah, there's some, there's some suit dragon, you know, you, you compare the first suit dragon record to the last suit dragon record. Of course, they both sound the same. Compare the last and first Beatles record, you know, if, if they did sound the same, I would actually be more worried. And that's what used to annoy me when people used to go, oh my God, I'm three so different than the whole wide world. Yeah. Uh, whole yeah. wide world, I was 17. I could hardly sign. I could hardly, I didn't even know what production was. Six years later, I did. You know what I mean? And if I was still making whole wide world six years later, I would be a bit of a sad get. You know what I mean? And I still get that thing to do when people see me. They go, oh, you look like nothing like you look like a 9-3 video. So I guess if I look like a 9-3 video 25 years later, yeah. I would actually be quite worried that Co I, you know. No concept, no concept of time. No concept of time. Yeah. I mean, people, I, people don't have concepts of time. People don't have concepts of, of, of creative processes. People don't realise that when you go from one album to the other, it's actually it's actually a snapshot of your brain and your on what and where you are in the world with music. Yeah. That's the way I look at it. You know, like when I made uh, when we made This Is Our Art and then we made Love God, there actually there's a lot of things in both those albums. I mean there's a thing that the one thing that kind of goes through everything musically that I've ever done is a sense, I mean a, a, an easy word to use is psychedelic, you know, blah blah, you know, psychedelia. The one thing I've I've always tried to not do the norm. And trying to try to, um, I, 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 I like things that are slightly off kilter. I mean, a friend of mine who's a DJ summed it up. He kind of goes, "You make records that sound like they come from the moon," and I kind of like that. That's it. That's you know, a quite that's, that's that. a nice compliment. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's I, I can. You know, it's just like the, the, the way I look at it. Just, yeah, I've, I've always been, and you know, I love Joe Meek and his style of production. Yeah, yeah. I love, I love, I love that kind of. Um, concept of like it doesn't matter how you make the record as long as you make the record in some way yeah yeah i mean you've talked about diy but you're 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 sophisticated in your uh, in your world of diy i mean you've seen it all i mean you've gone from analog you've gone to digital and you've seen you've seen immense change in your in your 30-year career so what what's for, for, for the people out there we've got this new record to look forward to with the man who shall remain nameless um, so it could be a woman. Yeah, well, you did actually say man. Yeah, but that's okay. That, that, that could have been a that could have been a curveball anyway. So we've got we've got that to look forward to. The person, the person. Yes, yes, the human being concerned. Now I've got one last question for you because I I have in front of me a, a list of uh, what I thought were really insightful questions that you, in due course, answered unequivocally. So thank thank you for 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 doing my job for me and and also. Hypothetically, let's say that uh, you're out here in Ottawa, you're doing an Eastern US uh, tour and you're around my place for a barbecue, I stick the kettle on. I ask everybody this, by the way, and, and you'd okay. be amazing yeah. how, how many people just are absolutely flummoxed by it. And, it's, and I pull out the magic biscuit tin and I say, Sean, here's your cuppa, two milk, two sugar. Magic biscuit tin, you can choose any biscuit on God's green earth. 
Oh. What would you I choose? Would, I would like a club orange. Really? You're not going to go for a tunnocks like Douglas? No, that's that, that, that club orange or dark. They don't, they don't really make them anymore. It's like a, da a dark chocolate. I used to like orange. the dark one because it had that navy blue wrapper, didn't it, with the golf ball on yeah, it? Yeah, dark, dark, dark chocolate. Well, I'm, I'm going to put you down for a club orange. And, and believe it or not, I've got a, a very sophisticated infographic type spreadsheet that accrues all the biscuits and all the takers. So I'll, be, I'll be emailing you that. Uh, I'm a club orange. <laughs> yeah, club, well, you've you, you, you forced me into creating a whole new category now because no one thus far has plumped for, for a club orange. So um, on that note, I'd like to thank you very, very much. It's been an absolute pleasure. It's been and the last time I spoke to you, you probably don't remember it, um, I was fleetingly in Saskatoon taking an audio engineering course. And you, wow. you were out there, I, I think it was in excess, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, we were to we toured Canada with that excess. Yeah, yeah, yeah and I remember sitting at the Sheraton having a having a cup of tea with you, and uh, well, chit chit yeah, chatting yeah. away, and it was it was a lovely conversation. And uh, granted, I know you've done hundreds of interviews, but uh, it's lovely to reconnect after all this time. I'll, I'll be in Thank touch. You. I'll be in touch imminently with all the details about the podcast. But Sean, yeah. absolute Thank pleasure. You. Thank you for. Thank you for all the lovely words you've said. I really appreciate it. Thank oh, you. my word. It's, every, every word is the truth, and I'm just so happy to, 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 to have a tiny, tiny part of the journey. That Anytime. I can... When we get round to the next album, let's, um, let's talk again, because um, that female or male making the album with <laughs> yes. me has, has, a, has a lot to say as well, because we're writing it together. That's a great thing from scratch. Lovely. FT was a bit different because, you know, I got people involved later on and we wrote it together, even though we wrote all the songs together. But this is like the ideas. I'm, I'm starting with a blank bit of paper with somebody who you absolutely, totally adore. And like every time you, you're writing a song with them, you're just like, I'm the happiest person in the world. It's just great. Oh, brilliant. Well, I'll tell you. I'm in a really, I'm in a really good space right now. Yeah, and, and, it, and, it, and it's so abundantly clear. I mean, your, your excitement and your, your enthusiasm is infectious. So I'm going, to be, I'm going to be living off that for the rest of the day. So thank you for that. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm buzzing for having spoken with you. So enjoy the rest of the day. Uh, happy Father's Day. I'm going to try yeah, and I've do got, I've got, I've, I came home with a bottle, with a half bottle of gin and some tonic, and I'm going to put my feet up. You do. You must be knackered. Enjoy yourself. I'll I'm talk knackered. to you soon. Take care, mate. Take care. Bye. See you later. Bye bye. Bye. Superb stuff. Thank you very much, Sean. That was a, that was a top top chat, and you are all now very very well versed in the world of uh, Sean Dixon, his past, and most importantly, his current projects he's a very very busy chap and he's very in demand and uh, it was lovely to chat with him and it was a long long time uh, since I've uh stellar stuff Sean thank you so much for your time and for the chit chat I uh, hope you lot enjoyed it as much as I did that was a wonderful little chat catching up with Sean after all these years uh, and, to, and to find out a little bit more about his world a very 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 talented man and it's, it's amazing how his musical career path has uh, taken all these little twists and turns yet he's always remained on top of things fantastic anyway one more track to share with you off the off uh, actually this is the second lp isn't it we're talking about talking about uh, feature excursions this is the lp that was released uh, well april i believe i'm trying to get my uh, get my uh, 
ducks in a row here in terms of uh, time. I think it was April. Let's just say that, shall we? Um, you're just another song featuring little Annie in brackets, uh, La Mongrel uh, Midnight Trip. This is the last track I'll be playing, and I'll be back uh, just to say my goodbyes after you've been uh, treated to another track by Hi-Fi Sean.
Slick, seamless and beautiful. That's the last track I'll be playing on this particular program. And that's your Just Another Song. Featured, sorry, it's featuring uh, Little Annie. And that's uh, Hi-Fi Sean of feature, Featured Excursions released this year. And uh, that would put a tin lid on this particular episode of Near Perfect Pitch. It's been a pleasure uh, playing songs for you once more. It's been a massive pleasure chatting uh, with Sean and my thanks again go out to him. Uh, and I'd like to employ your services, please, to spread the word. Uh, each and every week I get more and more listeners, which is which is lovely, which is what I want. You've got great taste, let it be said. So please share it with, uh, with the likes of uh, your friends, family, and uh, people that you reckon might uh, get a kick out of the podcast. Nearperfectpitch at gmail.com if you want to have a, a little uh, suggestion or uh, be in contact with me. Social media. Go through uh, nearperfectpitch.com to get all of the links uh, for other means by which to listen and uh, to share socially and to get involved in other capacities. Right, well, I'm going to go back from uh, a studio that's now about 30 degrees into uh, 40 degree heat drive home uh, and uh, put this uh, podcast together for you so we can listen to it uh, online imminently. All the best. Back next week. ta